Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com. Hello, listener, and welcome to Great Designs. My name is Tim Kilfoyle, and I'm happy to host our Great Designs podcast, shining light on the complicated world of electronic design. Great design can be a challenge on its own, but it can be tougher to know where and how to get good information. We know this, and we help navigate through it every day. We built the Great Designs podcast to be a low-pressure, content-rich environment with topics that matter to you. Make us a regular stop and be informed. Joe Otiri from Synapse Wireless joining us today on our Great Design Podcast. Joe, thanks. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks, Tim. So what I know is that you're a dad and that you're a hockey fan and you're an electrical engineer, but the people listening don't know this. They don't know much about you at all. So tell us who you are by telling us what it is that you do. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just back up a little bit. I am an engineer by, on paper, um, <laughs> been in technical sales uh, for the last 30 years uh, for three primary companies. Um, in the last 10 years, I've been with uh, Synapse Wireless. And Synapse is what? I know they're a, a wireless company. The company is Synapse Wireless. But what is it exactly that, that you do there and what is it that Synapse does? Yeah. So I'm the regional sales director um, for our Lighting controls products. Uh, we we call that LMS, Lighting Management Services. Um, my full time um, global position is to run the core IoT part, which is our radios, modules, and the Snap OS software that we've developed and patented. And you're down in Huntsville, and you're fabless, but everything is here based in the U.S. All your software engineers, all your manufacturing, everything. That's correct. I'm based in Northwest Pennsylvania. We have regional sales support around the country, um, primarily a technology company based in Huntsville, Alabama, with about 70 engineers um, and a company of size of about 85 to 90. So you joined Synapse as a, uh, as a salesperson effectively. You're now sales director for, I think, the half, eastern half of the country. But I want to ask about the product. So it's core product. It's wireless controls. Distinguish for us how the business operates. What is it that core product is covering? What is it wireless controls is covering? Yeah, sure. So uh, the company was founded in 2007, uh, primarily to solve uh, an industry issue that was posed to them with Zigbee, uh, which is a IEEE standard. Basically, just to turn a motor or pump on and off. Um, and I don't know how much you know about Zigbee, but it does take some uh, design effort on top of the platform itself, uh, or the standard itself. So the, the team at the time basically wrote their own networking software uh, and applied it to a wireless platform. So it sits on a, uh, an IEEE 802 uh, 15.4 Zigbee platform, but we basically got down into the hooks of that of that standard and brought up a, a platform that's really pretty mobile. It sits um, on the it's a, it sits on the physical layer, um, but the OS is very portable, um, to, so you could bring it to any technology. We've settled on um, 
2.4 uh, on the Zigbee stack because it, it fits the applications that we do, which are typically um, um, high node count, um, uh, decent data packet transmission, uh, where battery, you know, battery life is an important factor. So that's kind of the niche that we fit from our core product standpoint. Um, we really brought out all the tools of wireless mesh networking in that Snap OS and allowed developers to write their own application on top of our, our patented uh, mesh network. So it makes it the design cycle very simple and easy. Uh, I shouldn't say easy. It's it's a shorter design cycle than writing uh, the networking stack yourself. And then further on to that, the company also does the lighting management part, which is the full uh, three-layer architecture where we're doing the actual, putting our wireless module in it, uh, writing the application software to control the lights and schedules, uh, and then bringing that information and network back through a gateway to the cloud and then the cloud and back. So this is primarily for lighting applications. What you're describing here is primarily for lighting applications, but I know it's, it can be used across technologies. But let me let me just start on lighting. So as it relates to LED, you mentioned multi-node, which obviously is a good fit for both internal and external applications. But when you went, went down this lighting path, it was several years ago when LED lighting coming to North America was all a rage, so to speak. I'm curious where... Where did you fall in that path? There must be other competitors in the market in this same space. Where did Synapse join? Were you at the front end? Were you sort of a, a in trailing technology, lead technology? And then where are you on the wave of this LED lighting and wireless controls now? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, when I first started, again, our primary focus was getting other developer applications done. So, you know, pyrotechnics, smart agriculture, um, non-lighting. But we, we recognized immediately that, you know, a, a lighting array, whether indoor or outdoor, is a perfect application for a wireless network. Um, so we did have an introductory offering um, for, for uh, lighting controls. Um, but of course it was rudimentary and, and nobody in the lighting business knew us. So it was, uh, I, I'd say we were an unknown. <laughs> uh, and then we, we, we kind of re-architected the, in, the entire platform and to where we're at now, which was, is our um, operating platform called Simply Snap. And that made it uh, easier to do, to do uh, on-prem, on-prem controls versus having to be connected to the internet. Um, so over the past five years, we've kind of moved from an agent lighting agent model to an OEM model. And the OEM, OEM model was uh, very successful in getting us some brand recognition. Uh, and then once they got a taste of it and would, would offer it to some of their national accounts, um, we, we started winning the battles based on our both our software and our support. So the early, it was interesting, the early... Um, lighting controls uh, wasn't as popular as the LED inrush. Of course, the immediate savings from LEDs, um, saving 50 to 75% of your energy bill was an immediate attraction. So controls was kind of an afterthought at the time. Uh, we were certainly winning some battles, but um, as we've moved forward and there's been consolidation in both the LED and controls industry, we've kind of had a chance to shine and uh, I think over the past three years, we've really 
our brand recognition and lighting controls is is right up there with the with the top competitors. So the user on this product, it's going to be generally, uh, I guess, the engagement on some of these lighting products is going to be a facilities manager or operations manager, someone like that. But what is it that they're going to see is in terms of user experience? What is it about the Synapse product that is it's going to knock them off their seat? Well, our tagline is it just works. Um, and I, I know you have enough background in, in wireless technology that the knock uh, in the early days was everybody had a wireless product for lighting controls, but it, the reliability was terrible. Um, so we started with the the hard part, the wireless network, and then built um, software support around that to give more functionality, um, hired some U- UX guys to um, clean up and kind of make the the cloud and the, and the UI more user-friendly. So some of those are the bigger advancements. Um, but what, what a lot of the OEMs have found and a lot of the end customers have found that, that what differentiates is one, the product works. Um, you're not always down with RF interference issues or warranty issues. Uh, and then we have a great support team. Like I said, everything is developed in Huntsville from a software standpoint. And we have our own um, support service services team, which are all engineers as well. That'll either go out in the field or do remote troubleshooting. So it just works. I like that. It, it's uh, it, it's a great tagline, but I know it's also <laughs> true. But for a listener to understand it, can you give some success story? You don't have to mention any names, but give us a success story that we can recognize in the field through an operations manager, some installation that's going to give them a sense for what this means. Yeah, there's, I would, you know, a lot of our success has come through sports lighting, which is, is, is not, it is more of a, a feature rich, uh, sell on, uh, from the end user's experience and the, and the consumer's experience. I think though, our biggest successes have come from our national accounts where we've, you know, we've not only built trust with the OEMs that are, are putting, you know, integrating our controls into their fixtures but also solving the end users issues uh, from a security standpoint. You know, we came up with a, a BMS, a billing management system uh, gateway interface for two of the largest national accounts that we have that allows the, them to keep, you know, pull our API into their building management system. And it also allows them to look at every facility nationwide that has our controls on it um, through one user interface at their corporate offices. So those are some of the, you know, I, I think some of those that gave us the the credibility in large scale applications. So we're talking, you know, one one nation national account with uh, fifteen hundred sites, and only you know sixty lights per per uh, to a national account that has uh, thirty or forty sites, but six thousand uh, fixtures per site. So uh, we tackled quite a few different um, scenarios. And we're able to give them a single pane of glass, something they could look at uh, and monitor all their facilities from. So let me just underscore a customer with a building that has 6,000 lights means <laughs> 6,000 individual nodes with individual independent controls. That, that's correct. And you correct. just plug it in and it works, as you said. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, it's funny that we, there's more to it than that. I'm, I'm simplifying it because there's also daylight harvesting sensors and motion sensors. So there's you, you're adding another 400 devices to that 
um, that are all, you know, triggering actions. Um, and so it's complicated. And what I'll, what, what, what we really like to toot our horn about is when we started, um, this, this first facility, we were there for two weeks on site. Um, then COVID hit and, uh, we had issues getting to sites. So, uh, though we still go on site, we, we can pre-commission remotely, uh, through our gateway from our team in Huntsville, uh, 99% of the job before we even get on site. And now we're flying out there and spending a day and a half just to fine tune the sensors. So pretty amazing. And I would say also too, that probably 99% of our jobs are now done remotely. So for a customer that hears, oh, well, it just works, they might say, well, that means it's a stock box product and you can't customize it. But is that true? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> when I first started selling lighting controls, I I realized that if you tell them all the uh, all the things you could do with it, you'll, you'll just blow them away. Um, so we start with the simple stuff now. And a lot of that is zones and groups and tie-in motion sensors in um, for indoor and outdoor applications so that you know, you, you're only using the lights when they're supposed to be used. Now, you get, you get some guys that are more techie and hands-on and love to go in there and flex the system a little bit. And that's that's all there, too, for them. But again, we when we're done um, commissioning a project, we train uh, we train the, the end user and the OEM if they want. Uh, and now we record it and hand it off to them. So they, they always have access to, to how to, you know, push the buttons. Uh, from the from the user interface. So we're not mentioning any names, but I'm going to tell everyone to go to the Synapse Wireless website because there's a great video <laughs> from one of your great customers and you can see it all in action. I know it's, yeah, I, uh, it, it was a great install and it's a great it's a great success story. So interestingly, so much of what we've talked about is focused on wireless controls and lighting, but on the other side of things, the core product, it's a... It's not quite a radio chipset, but it's your core technology that is actually driving all the controls. And so you have that side of it as well. You've got development engineers, software engineers, and you also have the hardware. It's fabless. You're not making it yourself. But tell us tell us what the core product is capable of, because in, in spite of all the lighting discussion we've had, you can <laughs> drive Industry 4.0 with this product. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's the love of my life. I, I, I think it is, it's the most amazing uh, radio chip. It's not even a chipset. It's a full module FCC, CE certified. Um, we've been building, you know, hundreds of thousands a year. Um, we have them in fields in every application uh, that I mentioned. It has a ton of IO on it and it's, Again, it's it to me. It's the part of it just works, is why it works. That that radio is bulletproof. Um, we've been it's it's a little long in the tooth. Um, the 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 Atmega ARAT Mega one twenty eight that we use, it's only an eight bit. But honestly, for for the applications, and I could list thousands of applications that we've been in. A lot of them I'd never heard of before I started with Synapse. But um, you know we're. We're doing milk maven uh, farms, you know, uh, and monitoring the pressure on the, the cows as they're being milked. Uh, we've done uh, several pyrotechnic companies use us, uh, even some DMX lighting embedded, embed our chips in there. So that speaks kind of to the there's no latency to it. And, and when you're doing uh, 
you know, half hour timing of shows with pyrotechnics and colored lights, uh, which again, you can find those on some of our, our website um, applications. Uh, it really is amazing how much you can do with that radio. And the other nice thing about it I like is we give you a, an IDE to develop your, your application on. Um, so the hard part is really done at that point um, from the, from the net networking standpoint. Now where we do come in and try to help people out is, um, you know, you're working on your test bed with 10 nodes and now you want to scale uh, to a grow light farm that has a thousand nodes. So we do help, you know, kind of tweak those buttons, you know, fine tune the buttons to, to make sure you're getting the best performance out of the mesh so that your data arrives when you want it to arrive. So on that topic of mesh networks, you've built the product on Zigbee, a decision that was made, you know, at least 10 years, 12 years ago. Yeah. And Zigbee's still around. We see it in a lot of places, but I'm just curious to understand, will that backbone be the backbone moving forward? We see different things coming forward in the way of um, standards and and available, you know, Wi-Fi 7 being one of them, uh, LoRa being one of them. Just- yep. Curious to understand if there's any additional architecture or change, or is it even necessary? Is mesh networking going to continue to grow enough, adapt enough that it can continue to pull Zigbee in, no change needed? Yeah, and I, I think what we're finding now is we're, we haven't really talked about it, but our FPO, our facilities performance optim, uh, optimization product, which is kind of our tag for industry 4.0, which you had mentioned earlier. Um, the, the, I mentioned that eight, eight bit, it, it works for the applications, even when we're doing uh, vibration and temperature monitoring on motors, uh, or we're doing bag house filter sensing. We're doing, um, you know, video camera. We're not transmitting video over, but we're taking pictures and compressing. Um, so we're doing all, all these applications. Um, so for us, the, the mesh, um, you know, Zigbee has its limits, Laura has its limits, Laura has its advantages. So it all depends on what problem you're trying to solve. Um, so those standards will be around, uh, you know, Laura is a great product product for long range, low, you know, where you're not transmitting a lot of, of data um, and you, you can go 15 miles. It's pretty amazing. Um, you know, the, the Zigbee standards, there's a strong alliance out there. Those will be around, uh, you know, Wi-Fi is fantastic. Uh, we see it sometimes now in lighting controls with, uh, um, or not Wi-Fi, sorry, Bluetooth mesh. Um, so yeah, some of these, as they advance, you have to weigh the pros and cons, right? They're, they're, they are standards for a reason so that, you know, you know, you can pit one against the other. Do you want, you know, you need battery life, you need a, a ton of a ton of power, uh, <clears throat> from low range or a, a ton of data transmit over low range. Or are you just pulsing, you know, you're pulling data every, you know, 15 minutes and your packet size is, is, is decent. So it really de depends. But the things that we're seeing in, in uh, the industry, in the FPO, uh, where we're, we're pulling more data and bringing it into the cloud and doing, you know, higher level analytics, machine learning, um, really for us, we can run it uh, on the Atmel chipset that we have now in our, with our SM220 uh, radio. Um, but we can also, we've also ported that um, to a, a Silicon Labs 32-bit. So we, we have options to port that technology. But for us right now, 
where we shine is pretty much battery powered, uh, high density, high density mess mesh applications where we're able to pull that data into the gateway and then, and then manipulate the data from the cloud. So early on mesh was considered, uh, not quite up to billing. It wasn't as easy to get things across networks as, and I mean to say really across different, um, technologies, competing technologies. Is that, has that improved? Is that a concern? Should it be a concern? Well, again, I, th- I think you have to <laughs> you dig in, dig into the application a little more, a little deeper, uh, do your homework. You, another nice thing that we've seen as we've, as we've moved into other, um, markets like industrial IoT, which is a great fit for us, especially since we're doing the high bay lighting already, is that almost everybody has an API that you can interface to either at the cloud level or the gateway uh, level. So you can have competing standards, just like you do on your phone, all working simultaneously. So you don't have to rebuild, you know, you don't you don't have to rebuild everything yourself. And I think you're going to see more of that Rather than standards going away, I mean, standards are written so that they can interoperate. And um, I think you're going to see more of that where people as, you know, as data becomes more and more important in analytics and machine learning. I think you're going to see more cross collaboration between people that are running a pure Zigbee or a pure LoRa, and then they'll they'll tie that in at the application level, layer. Great. So I'm glad you mentioned that more and more data, more and more analytics. <laughs> There's also more and more security. And I'm just curious to know as it relates to your product, Zigbee in general, but specifically to your product, when you're talking about controls for lighting or any piece of equipment that could be involved, I mean, we haven't talked medical and I don't know that actually any of the power inside a hospital would be managed wirelessly. But if you're talking to a facilities manager of a large public university and all of their buildings, or you're talking to an operations manager for a large manufacturing facility or distribution center, if they have fear of wireless, tell them why it's not a concern. What is it that they're upset about or have fear of that they really shouldn't be worried about? Yeah. And I, I keep saying it's funny, but because when I, it was funny when I first started selling mesh networks, Everybody had heartburn that it was a proprietary network. And now having a proprietary network from the mesh standpoint is is, is kind of calming to them. Um, and of course, we can do it. You can, it natively comes with encryption that you can turn on. So you can encrypt, you know, the messages that are being transmitted between devices. That's really, really hard to hack. And if you do hack it, you're just going to get a bunch of garbage data. I think where the security come concerns come in most is when you start talking about the cloud um, and having things connected to the internet. Um, So those are the kind of issues that we have to get through um, typically with an uh, an IT department facilities manager uh, to reassure them that, you know, even if you're connected to our cloud, everything is outbound. Um, So we've had those discussions um, and, a lot in in 90% of the cases, you know, we can get through to them once we, you know, we prove it out. But again, a lot of our applications just run a standalone. They don't need to be connected to the cloud or you can put them, you can run them on your own network and, you know, VPN remotely if you want to. So there's a lot of different ways to skin that cat. 
Is it consistent though with the experience you've had in the marketplace? Do you find these people are having these concerns still? I would say not as much as originally. Um, again, in the early days, everybody wanted to talk about what standard you were running on or what frequency you're running on. And now everybody's forgotten about wire the the wireless technology part nobody asked me if i'm running bluetooth or zigbee uh, other than you once in a while but you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it, that that we've kind of moved past that um but we still have you know we have white papers on our security for for the the core product the snap os um we have a securities are so we we could talk through those things again the beauty of it being all homegrown in Huntsville is the guys that develop it still work there. still, you know, and, and the guys that are working on it and enhancing uh, the technology are all there. So, you know, we can pull in anybody to answer those types of questions. But it, it, those questions are coming up less and less. Now, on, on the opposite end of that, as we move more to cloud and cloud data, we're getting a lot of more of those questions on how you handle security if you're, you know, if we're going to give you access to our network. So backing up and looking at 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 the company Synapse Wireless and the place in the market, you must have had issues like everyone else did with supply chain. And <laughs> it's interesting to hear you say you've migrated from an 8-bit to a 32-bit because you seem to have jumped <laughs> in the fire. But how have you weathered the past couple of years as a company, both on the manufacturing of your own hardware, but then also on dealing with the uh, supply of your core product. Yeah. Kudos to our supply chain team. Um, I joked a little bit uh, right before COVID, you know, we had a huge sales forecast for a lot of different things. And, you know, for one reason or another, you know, things didn't come to fruition and we, we, we brought in all this material, you know, we, we like to keep our factories running. So we were sitting on sitting pretty flush when, you know, in the market, you know, people started coming back and finding shortages. So that that got us through uh, a good part of 2020. And then um, then the radio allocations hit and the radio surprises hit. And, you know, you're running on 8-bit uh, older platform. It's it's tough to keep it alive. So um, there was a little bit of a panic there. Um, so, again, controlling our own software and our IP, we were able to um, port over to the 30-bit from 32-bit uh, from Scilabs. Um, and it, it's funny, as you mentioned that, uh, we had plans to, trans, you know, we were going to get a bunch of inventory in on that and move some of our, our higher running control uh, lighting control modules over to that. Uh, and then we couldn't get parts. So, and then in the meantime, our 8-bit supplier came back with with enough. So we were able, we were able to, to uh, weather that storm. That was pretty scary. Um, the other issue though, is the end of life. And I, you know, yeah, I come to you looking for components all the time, especially power components. Um, it's just, there's a shortage of everything. So you're constantly getting hit going to the, you know, trying to find parts uh, out in the broker market. And of course we, we only used uh, approved suppliers. So it, it gets even harder and harder, but uh, we've weathered it pretty well. We've never had uh, an outage or a shutdown at this point that we couldn't supply to a customer. So we talked about the, you mentioned Laura by name. So there's a, there's mm -hmm. a nice ecosystem that's built up around, around that technology, but 
lower baud rate, lower data transmission, but it does have kind of a, a nice range. This Wi-Fi 7, you and I have talked about it briefly, it looks to be more of a power power hungry technology, <laughs> although it's got pretty good range. But it does yeah, seem but... that there are Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Does seem that there are a lot of technologies becoming available that are going to continue to support mesh, which is a good thing. So on that, I'm curious to know where you've migrated to 32-bit. You've got a broader product offering. I'm curious to understand where Synapse Wireless goes from here. Do you find that you're going to be focusing more on a particular market? Do you find that you're going to be trying to spread wings into different markets? Which direction do you think you'll go? You know, we're 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 placing a heavy bet on the industry 4.0 and um, you know e, ESG initiatives specifically. Uh, um, because what our mesh technology does nicely is obviously we're involved in power consumption and power savings with our, with our lighting controls, you know, and obviously people have turned to LEDs. Uh, but there's, there's a lot more on the, like the factory floor that can be monitored and controlled. Uh, and, you know, we're finding that we could take, you know, we can, um, do sub metering very easily, uh, with off the shelf CTs that we can pull that energy, uh, information in, uh, and give, not just the plant, but the enterprise, you know, nationally or globally, uh, single pane of glass, look at their energy consumption. Um, so, so we're, we're placing a heavy bet on that. We have at least, uh, 15 or 20 sites out that we, you know, we've, we've showed off at the IMTS, um, show last week in Chicago. Uh, we were at the AEE show this week. Um, and we're getting a lot of good positive feedback. Now we can do other, I, I mentioned sensing and controls, motor monitoring, temperature, bag house, you know, filters, uh, air compression, air loss. So those are all things that will develop once you have this mesh network built out. But it seems to me the, in talking to folks at the show, that the the lower hanging fruit is really um, that their their initiatives to save energy, get green, and you know reduce their their carbon footprint. Um, so that's that's number one. And now for lighting controls, you made some interesting points earlier, you know, about LED adoption and where's that at in the curve um, to the to the point of data we're we're finding. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there is a, a Dolly 2 standard out for for drivers now for lighting. Dolly was a Dolly 1 was very famous in Europe or uh, well, well, widely recognized in Europe for addressing. But Dolly 2 is a standard for. Uh, data, getting data off the drivers. So in, in not only power monitoring. So our focus now is to take advantage of the data that the Dolly 2 and D4i products are, are bringing out so we can um, give more alerts, warranty information on the driver itself, uh, some more accurate information. Um, so that what we're, where we're going there is um, maybe a combined sensor controller option uh, that, that, fits well with without much uh, interrogation of the fixture itself. So it'll fit in a standard uh, either Zaga socket or NEMA socket. Well, I want to ask now on the the BMS product that you have. I know it's a, it's a particular marketing platform that you've got, but it's also a system that you've developed. Explain the building management system, what it means uh, for a facility, for a manufacturing facility, really for anybody. Exactly what you can tack on in that network. What can you manage? Yeah, so the, 
Um, the BMS building management system is a is a common industry term, and there are many B- BMS systems out there. So, if you look at a Schneider Electric or a Honeywell, or most common, or Niagara, those those are embedded into the factory or facility, and they're already managing their lights and their HVAC. Um, not to a well, the lighting is not to a specific degree that we would you know the granular degree that you would get with controls. So our BMS gateway is basically a translator, um, a Modbus translator uh, that converts, you know, a standard Modbus message um, over into Simply Snap. So they can, we can commission the site in Simply Snap, and then they can uh, integrate it into their you know, their BMS user interface, uh, so they can run their lights from the BMS. Uh, interface instead of the Simply Snap interface, and that's primarily what we do. So, what is that in terms of uh, market market for you all? Is that a big piece of what you're doing now? Where does that fall? No, it's uh, it's more on the big national accounts that you know are either building new facilities or have an in- integrated building management system, complex building building management system over. Uh, several, you know, several facilities. So large national accounts primarily. Okay. Uh, and, you know, shopping centers, uh, people that uh, real REITs that own, you know, multiple properties across the country, you know, they're managing their HVAC and their, and their you know, their, their lighting and, you know, any of their power functions. And then in terms of size and scale, I just want to give listeners an idea of what what it is that you all can do because there's no real sense we can gather just by talking about lighting or just by talking about building management, but an installation that you all would have done, give me a bookend on the high end. What, what's, what's, what's the biggest opportunity you all have been able to successfully deploy? Yeah. I mean, we, we can put 10,000 devices on a map on a UI and, and after that it gets a little, you know, it's hard to get that granular. Um, theoretically, on the mesh network, um, I forget what the multiple is. I think it's 64,000 or something on a single mesh network. Probably It's probably more than that. But um, we have applications, non-lighting, where our com- customers are developing, especially in horticulture right now for indoor, indoor grow lights, um, where you're having these, you know, two or three-story racks of grow grow lights using our controls to monitor uh, and control the the lighting temperature. So they're writing, I I alluded to it earlier, they're writing their own lighting application. So we'll even sell them to people that are are doing lighting controls um, so they can write the application specific, build their own user interface that is specific to their industry and their needs. Um, And those facilities will probably stretch the limits of uh, of 10,000, it'll probably be those facilities because uh, they'll have three or 4,000 devices per rack system uh, in a large warehouse. So there'll be tens of thousands of nodes possibly in, in one facility. And it's, it does, again, I mentioned it earlier, it all comes out how you architect the routing and the mesh and how often you're transmitting. You know, noise on the mesh is an issue. So you you have to yeah, but we help with that. I mean, that's that's all part of the architectural layer and the IP of SNAP. Well, my last question for you, Joe, based on that, actually, I can kind of look forward and see some of the trails that you guys are looking to forge. 
But I'm just uh, curious with the, with the knowledge that you have on the current state of the market, and I really mean here the broad market and the economy and the way things are going these days. As you look forward five or 10 years, what does Synapse Wireless look like? What does the product look like? What do the markets look like? Where do you think the company is is destined to be participating in uh, best? Is it going to be industrial? Is it going to be lighting? Is there another path that you all are, are looking at? Yeah, we like to use the term that we're a full stack company, um, so we're portable. Uh, we we can we're, we're we can move to markets where we see that we are solving problems and adding value. No, 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 that's a probably <laughs> everybody could say that, but. Uh, we learned, we've learned how to sell into the lighting market and where, how to bring value to something that's already saved 70%. I think the, the, the core technology allows us to do things that others can't. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, there's ex a lot of existing equipment, older factories out there that don't have building management systems that could use the wireless, um, you know, do something that's very manual or is very, we used to call dark data, something they don't even know is burning energy and, you know, kind of bring that into the platform. So I, I, my guess in the five to 10 year range, it's going to be a combination of the industrial setting and, and obviously the lighting management portion. So for, we do, we do a ton of outdoor area lighting. And of course I mentioned the sports lighting. I don't think that's going to go away. We're just going to bring more advanced features to those applications. Joe Atiri, Synapse Wireless, I want to thank you for joining and giving us all the insight on the company. Synapse Wireless, they should be looked at by everyone listening today. Honestly, yeah, there's a lot of that. good detail. Good detail on the website, videos, installations, and there's a lot of power that the, uh, that the core product can deliver to your company. But Joe, thanks. It was great to have you. Great. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for tuning into Great Designs, our low-pressure, content-rich environment where we cover topics related to superior designs and electronics. Our content is posted here once a month, and we hope to catch you on our next episode. Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com.